Romans chapter 4, and this morning we're going to actually see if we can cover this whole chapter here as we look this morning at Abraham, an example of righteousness by faith. You know, I remember a while back I saw a really cool, um, I guess you could say, tract. It was, you know, how to get to heaven from Pasadena, and I liked that track. It was really cool, and it kind of gave you these little directions and things like that, and I was telling myself, man, one day I want to make one out of get to heaven from Almani. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, so important, you guys, um, to know exactly how to get to heaven. Because we want all of you to go there. We really do. That's our heart. And in Romans chapter 4, it's a very clear articulation of the fact that the way to get to heaven is a free gift that must be received uh, in your heart personally from God. You know, Martin Luther said the life of Christianity consists of possessive pronouns. He said, Christ is a savior is one statement that doesn't save us. He said the, we, the words we need are he is my savior and my Lord. And that's what we need. We need to have that uh, just clear articulation that he is our savior. You know, nowadays it's very difficult to really believe that things are free. You know, um, usually when they send you something in the mail or they maybe make a phone call and tell you about a free whatever it might be, dinner, a couple of nights in a hotel. I mean, even, you know, at Carl's Jr., they say buy one, you know, get one free. It's hard to find one that's just something that's very just clean with no strings attached, free. And yet that's what salvation is. You know, and looking at this chapter I know it's not something probably new to you, but I pray that as we cover this chapter, that your appreciation would grow of of what God has done and that you would even be um, just, there would be a burden lifted. Because although, you know, we might not say on paper that we're saved by works, I I think a lot of times that our relationship, we kind of think that we need to maintain it by works and what that does is that just brings such a heavy burden to your heart please understand that when god looks at you forgiven and free and clean and pure it's just an absolutely free gift that you have received by faith and that's what we're going to see today as we study romans chapter four because look what it says here in verse one it says what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. We're going to see in verses 1 through 8 that Abraham was not justified by works. If you remember in studying the book of Romans, uh, keep in mind this is probably one of the most important letters in the entire Bible. It is like a treatise of Christianity. It's like a constitution for us as Christians. This is Paul's masterpiece. And so in knowing it, you will be healthy Christians. Now we've kind of gone over the first three chapters and we've seen that basically Paul said the whole world is guilty. 
the immoral pagan who was never heard, he's, he's guilty. The moral man who's really not moral, he, he's guilty. And even the religious Jew or the religious Hindu or the religious Buddhist or Catholic or sometimes even those who claim to be Christian, they're just religious, they are guilty. And so in bringing them to that point that they need Christ, now, well, how does it work? Okay, now you've established the fact that I'm guilty and that I'm worthy of hell. How can I be saved? And the answer is by faith. By believing, not just here, but here. By trusting in Christ. By believing in God and knowing what the cross is. And, you know, in chapter 4, Paul, what he does is he takes uh, Abraham and he uses him as an example of an individual who was saved by Faith. And we're going to see in going through this, he was not justified by works. He was not justified by circumcision. He was not justified by the law. He was justified by faith. And first of all, we see here in verses 1 through 8 that he was not justified by works. And when you think about the Jewish context, and remember, Paul here is speaking from that background, he could find no better illustration than the primary, most prominent patriarch, Abraham. I mean, that was their hero. And so the question is, was Abraham justified by works? If so, he says right there, if he's so, he has something to boast about. But it will never happen before God. There is no one who will stand before God one day and be able to say, well, I was good enough. I gave so much. I, you know, gave to the church or I gave to the poor or I gave to the homeless. No. No one can stand before God and boast. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 64, verse 6, that the best that we can conjure up on our, on our own is as filthy rags before a holy God. You know, unfortunately, the rabbis of the day, they taught that Abraham was an example of a man that was justified by works. But Paul here points out, and we're going to see as we go through this, that that was not the case. And so what does he do? Well, in verse 3, he backs himself up with Scripture. He says, for what does Scripture say? Again, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He takes him back to the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verse 6, when Abraham simply believed the promise. That when Abraham believed that promise, then God accounted it to him for righteousness. You know, when you think about that, I know it's almost too good to believe, but the bottom line is, and the purity of the gospel is, that we don't work for our salvation. That would be wages due to us. That's not the way it works. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, that scripture that I'm sure many of you know by heart is just that staple scripture in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I mean, this thing is so powerful. This gospel is so radical that it says in verse 5 that God justifies the ungodly. Now, you look at that, and for us, I know, looking at things from a very practical perspective, we probably don't really like that or we don't really you know get that god it says right there justifies the ungodly but that's exactly what he does 
You know, the ungodly don't need to become godly in order to earn justification. No, God justifies the ungodly. That faith in Christ brings the prostitute to paradise. Think about that. That faith in Christ brings that hoodlum to heaven. That faith in Christ brings forgiveness. And it's not, you know, by behavior. Please understand, it's by belief. And Paul then goes on and quotes another scripture from the Old Testament, another hero. This time it's David. Because look what it says in verse 6. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. You know, in verse 6, we see how righteousness is imputed to us. In verse 8, it's kind of interesting. We see how sin is not. And that's so cool when you look at that, you guys, and you realize how blessed is that man, that woman. This morning, you know how blessed you are in that salvation is a free gift. There's nothing like it in the whole world. You go over there to uh, the land of Islam. And you realize that in order for a Muslim to be saved, according to their theology, they need a life of works. They need journeys of, to, to Mecca, pilgrimages. They need to pray a certain you know, direction and at a certain time and fast on certain days. They need their good works to outweigh their bad works. And they do not know whether or not they are forgiven. They hope. But they do not know, for they are a religion founded by works. The same is true for, um, you know, all the religions of the world, whether it be Buddhism or Hinduism. You know, hoping and praying that your good works and your good deeds will then allow you to come somehow, you know, be born into a higher caste system or a greater position in your next life until ultimately, if you are a good Buddhist or Hindu then you might one day reach nirvana where you lose your identity. You look at the religions of the world, whether even it be Catholicism, saying that you need to be baptized and you need to be you know, there having your first Holy Communion, the last rites, all the ceremonies involved, all the works involved. Um, you look at most people in the world today and you go out there on the streets and you ask them, well, how do you get to heaven from Almani, right? You know what they'll tell you? Well, just be a good person. But that does not get us to heaven. It's not of works. It's of faith. And as we humble ourselves and acknowledge the fact that we're sinners in need of a Savior, then we believe that Jesus Christ died for us. And the Bible says He does not impute sin to us. We see that in verse 8. He imputes righteousness. The righteousness of God. And so it says right there, blessed is that man. The blessedness in verse 6. Blessed in verse 7. Blessed in verse 8. I guess one of the things that I want to just clearly communicate this morning is how blessed you are. And I pray that you would know that. Pray that you would know how great God is. You know, it's tough for me sometimes, to be honest with you, you know, because of the fact that, you know, there's something in us that just doesn't get the concept of a free gift. You know, if someone gives you something, you, you know, you immediately feel obligated to them. 
You know, if someone does something nice for you or your family, you immediately feel like, well, you've got to earn that blessing. And so we go around as Christians, and I think that a lot of times what ends up happening is we try to earn our way. And, and it frustrates us. And it's tough sometimes. And God just says, no, listen, let's, let's start off on square one on the right foot. And that is this, that you need to know that I've, as you've trusted in me as your Lord and Savior, then you are free. You are freely free. And we really need to know that. We need to have that in our hearts even as we're preserving the gospel and presenting the gospel. It's so important for us as Christians to understand what the gospel is. You know, not only are you not, you know, you don't have sin. It says in verse 8, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin, but he has imputed the righteousness of Christ. And now we are rich in righteousness, according to the bank of the Bible, that is. You know, the word imputed right here, it means to reckon, to count, to compute, to calculate. It was a banking term of the day. And it's a word that's found 11 times in this chapter, in which God is trying to say to us over and over again, that if you look in your spiritual bank account, you'll find that you are absolutely rich in righteousness. And that is just such a blessing. All that apart from our own works, we see there in verse 6. Notice again there in the latter portion, it says, God imputes righteousness apart from works. Okay, so point number one, as we study the scriptures, we know that Abraham was not justified by works. Secondly, we see that Abraham was not justified by circumcision. Because look what it says in verse 9. It says, does this... Blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also. For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who are not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. And remember, again, I've shared with you guys before, the thing of the day back then was the Jews thought, well, you needed to be circumcised. And if you were circumcised, then you were saved. And so Paul is dealing with the issues of the day. And in that, he teaches us lessons, uh, I think, that are applicable as well. You know, the rabbis and uh, the Jews, they taught salvation by works. The rabbis especially taught salvation through circumcision. And Paul says, no, no, many times no. As a matter of fact, the verse we read earlier out of the book of Genesis chapter 15, where Abraham was declared right in God's sight, took place 14 years before he was circumcised, at least 14 years and so we see in looking at this that, you know, circumcision, it says there in verse 11, is a sign. It says, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal 
of the righteousness of the faith. And, you know, for us today, I know most of us here don't believe that circumcision saves us. I don't think that you guys believe that. But maybe you're here today and you think baptism saves you. Or maybe you're here today and you think church attendance saves you. And they don't. They're just signs. They're just, in one sense, seals. It was a sign back then to identify them. It was a seal to authenticate them. Morn Wiersbe said this, As a sign, it was evidence that he belonged to God and believed his promise. And as a seal, it was a reminder to him that God had given the promise and would keep it. You know, there's a lot of people out there. And, you know, today's study is one of those things, you know, where it's just, you know, clearly, you know, articulated in the scriptures that we are saved not by works, not by circumcision, not by baptism, not by church attendance, not by your good behavior. There's nothing, a single solitary sin that we can contribute to our spiritual salvation. And we need to make sure that we preserve that gospel. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of pastors out there who are preaching salvation by works. And they don't even know it. And one day God is going to hold them accountable. See, it's not faith plus anything. As you believe in your heart what Jesus Christ has done for you, then you are saved, period. And I pray that that salvation we're going to see in chapter 5 would bring peace. You know, you belong to God. You're his child. You're his daughter. You're his son. And now all the things that you're going through in life, you know, they're not done behind his back. They're not done, you know, outside of his knowledge. I mean, if you're his child now, don't you think he will take very good care of you? Oh, yes, he will. But I think so many times, you know, we don't really put the pieces of the puzzle together the way that we should. And a lot of times, what should set us free, should really set us free, it doesn't. There's no doubt in my mind that Martin Luther, you know, as he was seeking after God and trying to earn God's favor and, you know, earn God's blessings, you know, that his heart was right. And he would be there and, you know, one day he was going up the steps on his knees and they were bloody And he was trying to earn God's righteousness and to earn God's love. And then just a light turned on. The Holy Spirit communicated to him that the just shall live by faith. And just a burden was lifted. And right there, he was there in the middle of that whole thing. God set him free. And God changed his life. You know, you'd be surprised all the things that you go through in life, all the things, the technicalities and the frustrations and the complications that you're going through in life. Did you know that it's all linked to this? And that if we would just know who we are in Christ, that God is going to take care of all those things because we are his child, that we would have a peace that surpasses understanding. But what happens, and I know I'm guilty of it, is this. Well, we think, but I wasn't good today. I wasn't good last week. I know you guys. (laughs) You're not good a lot of times. And so what ends up happening? You, For some reason, you think, well, then God's not going to take care of you. Yes, he is. Because you believe the promise. 
And that's what we see in looking at this today, you guys. We need to know who we are in the Lord. You see, it was not works. It was not circumcision. Again, it's not baptism or behavior, church attendance or church membership. It's faith and that's it. And you know, when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, it was at one point exalted father to the father of a multitude. It was a prophecy that he would truly, in that sense, be the father of all those who would believe God's promise by faith, both Jew and Gentile. And so as we're reading the book of Romans, we realize what it says right here. Again, notice what it says in verse 11, that he might be the father of all those who believe. And so he is, in one sense, our father from a spiritual perspective and the elements of faith. You remember the kids used to sing that song? Maybe you used to sing that song when you were in children's ministry. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. Right? So let's all praise the Lord. And that's what we need to know. That's what we need to do. This whole salvation here should bring us to a a place of prostration, a place of worship. God, you mean to tell me that heaven is a gift? That forgiveness is free for me? Yes. That's the purity of the gospel. You know, some would consider Abraham to be the dividing factor, when in all reality, he's the uniting factor. Just as he believed the amazing promise of God, that made him right in God's sight. The same is true for us. And so you can actually say, you can brag, I have a... Awesome spiritual ancestor, just in case you're wondering. His name is Abraham. <laughs> you can even open up a conversation like that. You can tell your friends, you know, you want to open up the door for witnessing. Hey, yeah, my, I have an ancestor. Have you ever heard of that guy Abraham in the Bible? Did you know that he's my ancestor? Oh, yeah, and you wouldn't be lying. <laughs> and you can share with them what God has done. See, in looking at this, we see Abraham, number one, was not justified by works, Number two, he was not justified by circumcision. And then number three, we see in verses 13 through 15 that he was not justified by the law. For the promise that he would be the heir, it says in verse 13, of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. And again, you know, we just learned this so simple today. You know, Abraham was not justified by works or circumcision or even the law. Unfortunately, this was radical to the Jew of Paul's day. Not by works, not by circumcision, not by the law. What are you trying to say? Well, no, Paul says the law, the purpose of it, brings the knowledge of sin against God. And the wages of sin, which is the wrath of God. That's what the law does. And that's why it's so important as we're preaching and as we're, you know, sharing the gospel and even the Ten Commandments, you know, the Ten Commandments have their place. Don't get me wrong. We still need to obey them except for the Sabbath day that's been modified in the New Testament. But please understand and make sure that you don't preach a perverted gospel. Those things don't save us. What saves us is, you know, the faith that we have in the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
And we've got to make sure that we don't get off balance as a church and as those who are teaching, you know, the people. We need to express the freedom. We need to express the forgiveness. We need to share with people that the burden has been lifted, that Jesus Christ has done the work. So important. I know it's tough, man, but it's important. I was reading a story, a true story. It says several years ago, a man and his wife were found frozen to death in their car. And uh, what had happened was a blizzard had dumped tons of snow in the area, burying their vehicle. Well, before she died, apparently the woman scribbled a note on a piece of paper and she stuffed it in the glove compartment. And the note said this, I don't want to die this way. The tragic thing was less than six feet from their icy grave was another vehicle. It was a stranded bus. And there was festive passengers there who had remained warm throughout the night. They didn't have to die that way. And you don't have to die that way. Just right there, just right there within your reach is salvation. The finished work of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And if only you would humble yourself and acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner in need of a savior, then he is willing to give you the free gift. You see, there's nothing like this. You know, every other religion in the world, every other person in the world, they're trying to earn their way up to God. They're trying to go up this mountain that they will never climb. When in all reality, God has come down the mountain and he's done the work for us. You know, the law brings the knowledge of sin against God. And so Abraham was justified before circumcision. That's interesting. That took place at least 14 years later. And Abraham was justified before the law which took place hundreds of years later. And so in looking at this, it's just so crystal clear. And, you know, in reading the book of Acts, I don't know if you guys have read the book of Acts lately, but it just breaks your heart to see the way that the Jews rejected this. You know, generally speaking, over time, they rejected Jesus. Why? Because they thought works and they thought circumcision and they thought law. And even today, you know, most people cannot see Something so simple, huh? I mean, how many people out there are really serving the Lord? How many people out there are really, you know, sharing their faith? It's not really a big thing nowadays. You know, there are those who will not accept the law, which shows them that they're sinners. There's a lot of people like that. And there are those who will not reject the law as the means of salvation. It's kind of interesting how it works on both sides. But we need to know this, that the law was given through Moses, it says in John 1.17, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. And so in looking at this, Abraham, we see, was not justified by works. He was justified by faith. And so is everyone else. Look what we read here in verse 16. It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. 
You see, with the law comes wrath. But here it is. With belief comes promise. And with faith comes grace. You know, there he was, Abraham, in the presence of God. Think about it. And then the promise was presented to him. Do you believe in God, Abraham? Do you believe in the God who can speak everything from nothing? Do you believe in the God who can raise the dead to life? That's really what we see here. In his presence, in God's presence, do you believe? And Abraham, there he was, 99 years old, the father of faith, believed. And that's how he became the leader to the Lord. We see here in verses 18 through 22, notice what it says. It says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so we go back to Genesis again, chapter 15, verse 6. And it says Abraham was about 100 years old, maybe 99 years old. Sarah was 89 years old. Okay, think about that. And from a human standpoint, you know, we know that they're a bit beyond bearing children, huh? Think about that. 99 years old, you're going to have a son. You ladies, 89 years old. You're going to have a a son. You're like, man, from a human standpoint, that doesn't make any sense. But what happened was God said to Abraham, and you read it in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. He said, come over here. And then he took him outside and he said, look now toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And that was the promise. Question, would you believe? Abraham believed. And contrary to any human hope, and even though his body was beaten and broken down, he believed. As a matter of fact, he did not waver at the promise, it says, but his faith grew stronger. He gave glory to God, and he was fully convinced That what God had promised, he was able to perform. And the same is true for us, you guys. We read there in verse 22, it says, And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. You see, it just needs to be so clear in our hearts because this is so important. You know, I don't know how you guys are with directions. I'm ashamed to say especially as a guy, that I get lost a lot, man. And I hate it when I'm going somewhere that I've never been. And even though I get the directions off MapQuest, and even though I've got my little iPhone that tells me, you know, what to do and all that, I still get lost. It's crazy. And, you know, I, I, I think about that, and then I illustrate over as far as our directions to go to heaven. I've never been there. 
but one day I will be. And this is one place, one journey, I guess you could say, that you don't want to get lost in. The journey to heaven. You want to go, and you want to go the way that God says, this is it, man. How? It's by believing the promise. Promise is Jesus Christ died for you. The promise is he loves you. And he wants you to go and to be with him forever. The promise is if you will just believe by faith, then he will take you there. But I'm such an ungodly person. You know, I'm not, you know, the right material, you know, and it's contrary to hope. It's contrary to human reason. I blow it with, you know, this person and that person. I do this and that. And God says, listen, it's not based on your performance. Yes, I will take you, God says. And yes, I will change you. And by the way, that changes by faith too. Because if you came to God by the Spirit, you're going to be perfected by the Spirit as well. It's God who does the work. Everything here is just giving to us the message of faith. Do you believe the promises? And that's where we need to be. Abraham here eventually uh, just came to that point in his life. And again, he had come 75, 70 years old. The Lord had given him all these promises. But then the, the night came, the day came in which the Bible says that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, was that just for Abraham? No. That's what we read in closing in verse 23. It says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. It doesn't just pertain to him, it pertains to us. And it was so cool. It it really is so cool. One day when we're there, and who knows how it's going to be, you guys. Maybe we're going to get raptured. Wouldn't that be cool? Everybody here wants to get raptured, right? But maybe you're going to be there and you're going to hear the news from the doctor that you have cancer. You're going to hear... You know, the news of some illness. You're going to be there on your hospital bed. Uh, You're going to be there lying on the side of the road and you know you've only got minutes left to live. And you're going to know because you heard so clearly that even though you didn't live up to all those expectations that everyone else put on you or you put on yourself, you're going to know what he did. And because I have my faith in him, because it's a free gift, because I believe, not just here, but here, you're going to know I'm going home. I'm going home to heaven. See, that's the gospel message. Not a fickle faith, but a firm faith. Believing in God and his gospel, believing in Christ and his cross, believing in the spirit and the power of the resurrection and all the promises of God, Believing that Jesus was delivered to the cross to deliver me from my sins. And in doing that, you guys, today, we can know the peace of God. We can know that not only are we saved and, you know, that means that one day I'm going to go home and be in heaven. But that whole salvation, what does that mean? There is so much in being saved. It's not just when I die, it's now. The life. 
that I have as a Christian because of what God has done for me. You know, we'll see next week, and I'll just give you guys a real quick preview. Look what it says in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer enemies. We're peace. We're, we're, we're His. We're, there's peace. And that peace with God now brings the peace of God. You know, as believers today, and just looking at this, man, I just pray that His peace would sweep into your lives. And I just really pray that you guys would know that you are rich, that you are righteous. And may you never, ever, ever forget it. Why? Because you place your faith in Jesus Christ. For some of you here, you raised your hand. For some of you here, you went forward on an altar call and it came from your heart. Maybe some of you here, you just prayed on your knees, but there was a day in time where you made a decision that you were a sinner in need of a Savior and you believed in Jesus. You know, maybe there are some of you here today who've never really done that. You know, I've actually talked to people who said, well, I've been a Christian all my life. Okay, that's not possible, I'm sorry. But there had to be a day where in the deepest recesses of your heart you chose to follow Jesus Christ because religion will never save you. Your parents' faith will never save you. Maybe there's some here today, I don't know, and you're not really a Christian. And God is just saying, hey, man, I want to give you a gift. It's a ticket to heaven. It's free. Do you need it? Do you want it? And as you say yes in your hearts, it's so amazing. Then God will present you free and forgiven forever and ever. God, help us this morning to appreciate the gospel. God, help us this morning to preserve the gospel. Never add a drop of works to our presentation. May God help us this morning to present the gospel to a world out there that needs the love of the Lord more than ever before. You know, all the things that are going on. Sometimes people tell me, why, why don't you talk more about politics? Or why don't you talk you know, more about the social issues of the day? And why don't you talk you know, more about the things that are going on in the news? And you know, yes, those things have their place and, and, and all that. But you know, the answer is the same. No matter what it is, we as the church need to be the church. We need to pray and shine in a dark world. And the world... They just need Jesus. It doesn't matter who's ruling. It could be the emperor, you know, that, you know, kills Christians. You know what will happen in that setting? You know what will happen? The church will get purified. Because in times of prosperity, the church kind of gets lax. But in times of persecution, there's a purification that takes place. And so I don't know about you, but I think I might prefer persecution. I don't know. I just know that I need it. And this morning, as we have communion today, I pray that we would just worship the Lord and thank Him for what He's done. You know, and if there are any here today who don't know Christ, man, what are you waiting for? Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word and Your love and Your grace and the simplicity of the message, Lord God, that we are saved not by works not by circumcision not by law but we are saved we are saved by faith 
And Lord, I just pray that your children here this morning, Lord, if you know they find themselves going through hard times, Lord, that today that your message of forgiveness and freedom would bless them and would encourage them, Lord, today. But I also pray, Lord, if there are any here today who do not know you, Lord, that today um, they would draw near and that they would make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, maybe you're here today and, and, and you're not sure where you stand. You know what? Just before we partake of communion, um, just want to give you a, a, a quick opportunity. In a split second, in a split second, you can be saved. Right where you're at, if you're not a Christian and you want to receive Christ, I want you to just raise your hand and we're going to pray for you, man. Just in case there are any here, we always want to give that opportunity. Don't let the enemy rip you off, man. The Bible says, if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. Anyone here, just raise your hand.